back to the Health IT Beat, a podcast brought to you by USF Health Online. I am your host, David Rice, and today we're going to be looking at the growth of statistical analytics systems, or what you may know as SaaS. When you think of organizations that drive innovation, few would blame you if SaaS is one of the first names on your mind. The company's roots go back to the mid-1960s at North Carolina State University. The United States government had been collecting large amounts of agricultural data for years, but at the time, no computerized system was in existence that could provide the level of statistical analysis needed to make sense of all that data. Working with other academics through a grant from the National Institutes of Health, four individuals would come together to create a program that would change the way analytics would be viewed in the decades to come. A computer programmer named Anthony James Barr, a graduate student named James Goodnight, a software developer named John Saul, and documentation specialist Jane Helwig teamed up to create SAS, a software capable of mining, managing, and retrieving data from various sources. The four would later form the company as it is known today in 1976. Since then, SAS has undergone a rapid evolution that has seen its powers reach into a variety of industries. Alyssa Farrell leads global industry marketing for SAS and has examined the company's business through a few different lenses be it the energy sector or healthcare. So I wanted to ask her about this evolution toward working in healthcare. How does a company go from analyzing data related to farming to providing healthcare analytics to clients ranging from payers to providers to pharma? The software became popular uh, in many different industries. And within a few years, SaaS software was licensed by pharmaceuticals and insurance companies and banks, as well as the academic community. We've always had a strong foothold in academics itself. So we really found our way to healthcare by way of pharma. Um, and in fact, I understand that the first industry solutions that we ever launched were specifically in the pharma space for clinical trials. Now, clinical trials back in the 1970s were certainly not as digital as they are today, but they still involved lots of data and analysis on patient outcomes. So given our experience with patient data, it was very natural for our work to expand into health providers and health insurers and public health departments as well um, as a valuable software for analyzing and visualizing trends in health data. That journey into healthcare has been a rewarding evolution. I'm not referring to the company generating more than $3 billion in operating revenue and ranking among the best places to work in the United States when I say that, though that is worth noting. What I mean is that healthcare being such a complex industry with so many moving parts has helped SAS diversify what it does and maximize its potential. Where it was once a set of procedures, it is now a set of industry solutions, complete with graphic interfaces that are built for specific business objectives. In healthcare and life sciences in particular, SAS is embedded in workflow so that data is digestible and meaningful when it comes to analysis. The data comes from a variety of sources, which has driven its ability to provide solutions and customizable experiences based on industry segments. One of the driving factors for their success is the evolution of information sharing that is taking place within the healthcare industry. Interoperability standards have certainly evolved in the market, which has helped companies like SAS work with all those different types of data, like claims data or diagnosis codes and, and other different types of, of data sets that we're getting. So given that, that we can now access those different types of data, our solution capabilities have expanded as well. So from those original tool sets, now we have more off-the-shelf solution that's used to build patient cohorts or to detect chronic diseases 
analyze real world data, um, even support antibiotic stewardship as an emerging area, um, improving patient safety. And then on the financial side, helping to manage the revenue cycle. There, there's so many opportunities for analytics in the healthcare space. Um, it's, it's really promising to think about how we're bringing value to the industry today, and yet so much analytic potential there is come. We really feel that analytics is helping to transform the industry kind of from the inside out, just making better use of the information they have and providing better decisions from the clinicians through, through the operations staff. So it's creating those new views of data that's bringing value to the industry. This move toward an interoperable future is one that if you work in health IT, you've likely heard about it for some time. The progress is there to see, but it's easy to be a bit cynical as interoperability guidelines, roadmaps, and frameworks can all start to sound a bit pie in the sky compared to the reality that unfolds each day around health information sharing. The truth is, for all the data we collect, it is oftentimes siloed or treated as a proprietary asset. To look at how this is changing, I asked Greg Horn from SAS's global healthcare marketing team about SAS's ability to help drive innovation and build trust between organizations and industry segments. Much of the benefit of uh, analytics today in healthcare, particularly when we think about new data areas such as social determinants of health, is about being able to share that data across platforms. Now, trust becomes an issue in a number of areas. If I hold the data, I may not want to share it with another organization. And if I'm a patient, I may be concerned as to how my data is being used. And so we see a growth in interoperability standards now that allow the technical sharing of data. But at the moment, we have things like legislation in certain jurisdictions and also a lack of public faith that is often preventing this from going forward. And SAS, you know, is uniquely positioned to help with this because uh, our cross-industry expertise means that we're used to handling data from a number of different sources, but we're also used to working as a kind of the, the glue between the, the industries to help bring that data together. So we can work on things like anonymization, privatization of data. We can look at how we uh, bring data together in one source, but only expose certain things to people where there's a legitimate reason or they have good relationship to be able to look at the data. But we can also uh, enable people to work with their analytics in a way that builds those trust models and shows that uh, analytics is very much the way healthcare is going to be uh, developing in the future. And so I think uh, you know there are lots of ways we're going to work to build trust across the data silos, and I think SAS is very well positioned to do that. All of this moves the needle on the industry's larger goal, the facilitation of value-based care. The type of analytics insights SAS provides can help spark a variety of approaches to measuring health outcomes and drive a more holistic understanding of health by both patients and providers. Using data to build things like cohorts of patients and to understand our patient models, uh, we can understand then how we pay for the outcome that we want and tie that to the patient's condition and other factors that would be involved in this too. So we see SAS being able to work into, straight away with the patient in, in that kind of value-based area. But the other area as well is about how do you use evidence to drive the best treatment for patients too. And there's a big movement in healthcare right now towards health rather than healthcare. So that's predictive uh, and preventative healthcare. And we can use data to help in that outcome, show people uh, what their lifestyle choices look like, family history, and other contributing factors that would lead them to 
having negative health outcomes down the line. We can also work with chronic care patients to understand what their treatment looks like, how to maintain adherence to medication and to treatment plans, and to show how that is tied to healthier outcomes for populations. So I think when we think about projects, we have um, the Healthy Nevada project, which is a really good example of this, where they're doing both preventative maintenance kind of healthcare with patients, understanding the kind of conditions that are going to affect them down the line, but they're also working with their current cohort of patients as well to drive better outcomes, and they're doing that using data from a number of sources. Uh, Alyssa mentioned antibiotic stewardship. That's an area that's growing very rapidly. As we move towards an, a time of antimicrobial resistance, uh, it's important that we use data and analytics so that we can drive outcomes in infections to improve and not head down a line where infections become the danger they were many years ago. So there's a lot of good examples now where patient outcomes are being really benefited by the use of analytics. SAS's role in creating this future, though, is not one that a consumer or even most healthcare professionals are ever going to see firsthand. The software is really more of an infrastructure solution rather than a solution designed for a consumer being the end user. SaaS doesn't necessarily create apps or provide sleek solutions for patients to use on their smartphones. It does, however, support the development of health and wellness apps through things like open application programming interfaces, or APIs for short, that can help developers build out the analytics capability of an app. While the industry may have a ways to go on interoperability, SaaS is ready when it gets there. Its solutions are already interoperable and can work with just about any data type. As technology players come together to collaborate, innovate, or even just share the lessons they are learning, SAS is looking to be a major figure in helping healthcare organizations integrate data and ensure data quality. You know, from our perspective, you know, SAS is certainly an interoperable solution, but the, the attention on interoperability still needs more work within the industry itself and all the industry players and technology players coming together to really help to share insights between the various um, solutions. But fortunately, SAS can work with nearly any data type and we can really analyze even data in motion from the Internet of Medical Things. And one of our greatest strengths as a company is in this area around data integration and data quality, because as, as people say, garbage in equals garbage out. So getting good quality data is important for fueling analytics that people can really trust. So given the diverse and complex sources of data that exist today in healthcare, many of our customers tackle interoperability in this way. They establish an analytic data mart, and within that data mart, they can test and develop algorithms. And that, that data mart may be in SaaS, it may be a cloud vendor or Hadoop cluster or some other database, either on-premise or in the cloud. They use SaaS to develop and test those algorithms. And then the results from those analytic models, whether it's the prediction of a patient's likelihood to, to look at one of those hospital-acquired, to contract a hospital-acquired infection, or maybe it's a forecast of chronic disease by, by the disease type and the, and the postal code. That can be pushed back into a clinical system or a web report or even a mobile application, as, as we just discussed. The real objective of interoperability is to be able to use the analytics to inform health decisions. So it doesn't matter if it's a machine learning model or an, or an AI image detection model. It doesn't do any good if it's not deployed for use by health professionals. So we spend a lot of our time really thinking about how do we deploy that analytic at the place where someone can see it along in their workflow. And for us, that's true interoperability, being able to consume and then to push back 
the results of those, those analytic models. And, and we feel like the industry is getting better um, and with more work like on the, on the new fire type, that's actually gonna help propel the industry forward even further. As you can probably see by now, SAS is a key industry player in driving innovation in analytics and the approach to healthcare data. But what about the people who work with that data? The company's roots were based in academia and research, but as we've noted along the way, it's obviously grown beyond that. Still, as Farrell alluded to earlier, SAS has maintained its roots there. The company now works with a number of universities around the country to fuel and improve their analytics education offerings. The University of South Florida's healthcare analytics program is one such example. In full disclosure, part of the reason this episode exists is to help further the understanding of SAS and its role in helping us cultivate an innovative program for analytics students. I spoke with Cheryl Cass, Senior Global Academic Program Manager of SAS's Education Division, about these partnerships and what their goals are in higher ed. The answer is as broad as the academic program team's experience in higher ed, a group that ranges from former faculty to university administrators and PhD-level statisticians. But to give you a better idea of what SAS's intentions are in working with programs like ours, we'll start with a key element, faculty enablement. Our team specifically focuses on the needs of higher education institutions, and, and we have the ability to provide them with support and free resources for teaching and learning. So the overall goal of our team is really all about faculty enablement. And what that means is we want to use our free resources to enable faculty to learn our software so that they have the ability to then deliver these tools in their own courses and curriculum. Uh, we can go on site to an academic institution and uh, send out one of our um, team members who's a technical trainer, and they can do a multi-day workshop for the faculty. We also have free academic software platforms and even teaching materials that are used in the commercial space that faculty can actually go online, download for free, and embed directly into their classes. It's a tool that Dr. Athanasios Salatsanis director of USF Health's informatics and analytics programs, uses and encourages other faculty to use in cultivating data projects for their students. I was able to sit down in his office for a bit recently to ask him about the value of SAS in his work. We have access to all of the software that they have, and it's a lot of software. They have software for statistics, data mining. They have software for... Um, uh, machine learning, econometrics, forecasting, visualization. They have so many different suites that uh, are available to us. And uh, it's, uh, you have to understand that it's a very expensive uh, platform. And each of these individual modules are, again, expensive to, to access. And these guys are giving it to faculty for free for uh, teaching and sometimes research purposes. So uh, another thing that they are also offering is uh, they have their own uh, online learning uh, suite and they have uh, entire courses on statistics, data mining, uh, and how they taught with, uh, with, obviously with SAS. And all of the USF faculty and students have access to this material as well. So I think that's the major, the major contributions that they do for faculty and students. Beyond helping educators, the benefit of a SAS-approved program is passed down to the student, not just in the training or the quality of the curriculum, but in the skills acquired 
and the network that can be created through SaaS recognition. It has everything that an analytics uh, professional will be uh, will be ever needing uh, to perform his duties, right? Their duties. Uh, so the most important part here is that um, having a certificate that is uh, approved by SAS shows to the employer that the, our students have been uh, solving real-life uh, problems using a platform uh, like SAS, and that gives them a, an advantage in the, in the marketplace. Cass elaborated further on this idea of building skills and networking opportunities for the analytics workforce through these programs. Ultimately, what we want to do is connect students, potentially new graduates or even those that are, are seeking internships. We want to connect those students who are gaining SaaS skill to our customers who are searching to hire new analytics talent. So with regard to um, the particular program that we have established right now, what we call this is a joint certificate program. And so when we're talking about, you know, ultimately wanting to connect students with SaaS skill with our commercial customers who want to hire, we really need to make sure that they're actually learning enough SaaS to um, point them in the direction of our customers. And so the way we do this is we formalize it through a joint certificate program. And this is really where the assessment piece comes in. So we're not necessarily assessing the curriculums and the programs student learning objectives, but what we are assessing as a team are the types and amount of SAS that are being delivered within the curriculum. And so once we're sure that we're working with our program and they're delivering this threshold level of SAS within their curriculum, then that gives us confidence that we can begin to connect them with our commercial customers. We really see this as a way that, you know, these companies are looking for talent. So we're helping to lower the barriers there. Part of what SAS is interested in is the development of specific competencies that their clientele has indicated they need. Through the association with universities, SAS then relays that back to educators to create a collaborative approach that ensures educators are keeping pace with an ever-changing industry and helping them craft a workforce ready for the challenges of the day. One of the newer initiatives that we're taking on is academic badging. So if we are establishing a joint certificate program with an institution, we can, working with the faculty on campus, identify what are the major skills and competencies that the students who make their way through these programs are achieving. Um, and that really uh, will help in the hiring process that if a company is looking for uh, very specific skills and competencies or types of, of SaaS software tools, they'll know exactly where to look to hire this new talent. Farrell sees those challenges evolving as analytics adoption reaches into payer and provider spaces, and the structure and intent of data teams expands. Thinking about students today who are, who are studying health informatics, uh, there is clearly always going to be a need for data science within the health insurance and payers uh, industry. You know, that industry really is full of true actuaries and, and that um, expertise, real number crunchers, people who can understand data and, and combine data sources um, and really help to identify um, the disease outliers and episodes we talked about before. So that's, that's always going to be present. And interestingly, we have seen that not, not so much within the CIOs area, but more CMIO, so the chief medical informatics officer or the head of medical informatics, um, as well as a CMO. And 
in truth, some of the most effective data science teams report into the CMO or clinical operations because it's really closest to where the clinical needs are, better understanding the data, and using that data to drive patient outcomes. So there is certainly needs across the industry, but we are seeing an increase in data science teams reporting into the clinical operations. So what's next? SAS, as you can see by now, is very much an organization looking ahead. And health IT's future is becoming more solidified with each passing day. The question then becomes, what challenges lie ahead? And how does SAS facilitate the tackling of such obstacles? As you might expect, Horn sees it playing quite a significant role. You know, SAS is really present wherever healthcare is, is present. And that is right across the farmer, the provider, and the payer. And I'd include government in that as well. Uh, in fact, a, a very large portion of our healthcare business globally is within uh, government organizations, uh, particularly in government-operated healthcare systems that we see actually in the US, but also in places like Canada, the UK, Australia, um, and through other parts of Europe. And so I think SAS is very open to be in any form of, of healthcare. And I think that's what makes us so interoperable as well, going back to that point. Um, I would say at the moment our biggest uh, customers are in the pharma space, in the government space, and in the, in the provider area as well. Um, though we do have uh, a significant uh, payer uh, presence too. I think as we move forward, we're going to see that grow across the board. We see a, a huge convergence between both pharma and all forms of healthcare delivery, be that private or government. And I think what SAS is able to do is integrate between those two pieces and show a growth path using data towards better outcomes. And a specific example of that convergence is in things like clinical trials and the like, where uh, pharma companies are looking now for more real-world data to uh, underpin a clinical trial as opposed to doing kind of double-blind studies and, and the old-fashioned type of, uh, of clinical trials is now being seen as. Uh, and using more of that kind of real-world evidence to drive a faster time to market for drugs and a more appropriate use for drugs as well. So I think as that convergence occurs, you're going to see more of SaaS playing across the big pillars uh, in healthcare delivery. The amount of data healthcare organizations are collecting is massive and now presents a new challenge that we keep coming back to in a lot of our content for USF Health Online. As more technology is woven into your healthcare through wearables, smart home systems, and new medical devices, data sets simply aren't getting any smaller. But this is a challenge that SaaS professionals are looking forward to. And we like to say that if the data isn't complex and interesting, then SaaS wouldn't exist, right? We thrive on complex data and making sense of it. In fact, our, our mission as a company is to transform a world of data into a world of intelligence. And that might sound pie in the sky, but in truth, that's what we're doing, right? We're taking these very large data sets and we're breaking it down and try to make some insight from it that people can actually trust a decision based on it. And we know that large data sets do add complexity, but they can also add tremendous value. And in fact, analytic predictions can be more accurate when they're built on more data. So we like to see the silver lining in, in this data tsunami that's happening in the industry. Because um, we live in a time where zettabytes of data and these massive computing capabilities continue to open new doors for innovation. And our smartphones today contain more computing power than the first mainframe computers. So really seeing a renewed focus on data and analytics is driven by this increase in computing power 
and more connectivity, more data coming from connected devices, as you mentioned, but also powerful artificial intelligence technologies like computer vision and natural language processing and machine learning. So we think there's a ton of promise for innovative um, ideas within the healthcare. Horn echoed Farrell's point here, noting that the more data you have, the more context you'll get. And he provided an interesting example of this. Uh, I like to kind of think about the, the myth of, of the aging population sometimes. And, you know, we're always told that uh, the, the reason healthcare is struggling is because we're all getting older. But actually, you know, the data will show us, and we can see that from very complex data sets, it's actually the rise in chronic conditions in younger patients that's driving a lot of the negative outcomes around cost in healthcare. And so, you know, when we can work with data sets that are huge and we can understand very complex populations, we can kind of look to see what some of these myths are and explode them and then treat patients in a way that's much more evidence-based. So I think we welcome this, this growth. The perception of SAS is something that is starting to change thanks to all of the work we've outlined here. But still, the software is sometimes misunderstood as being something that fuels research rather than clinical knowledge, innovation, and the delivery of healthcare's triple aim of improving the patient experience, reducing costs, and improving population health. That last one is important, as SAS attempts to support the philosophical shift in the industry that Horn mentioned earlier, one that sees everyone focusing on health rather than health care. I talk a lot when I speak to customers about the concept of forecast paradox. Uh, you know, in research, we use analytical tools to understand, make predictions, do forecasting, and then it's kind of, that's the end of it almost, and we don't do much else with it. We write papers, we publish those papers, and maybe hope that somebody picks that up. And that's really how research works. But in the terms of, of the real world of delivering healthcare to real patients, you know, we want to make sure our forecasts are always wrong. And so SAS is really kind of working with healthcare groups to understand how Prediction and forecasting is then able to lay out a roadmap towards change and change management that effectively will make sure that that forecast never comes to light. And we can give examples around things like, uh, you know, demand for things like hip replacements, knee replacements, uh, rising numbers of diabetic patients, um, the use of healthcare by people in different social economic classes and, uh, and with different educational levels. And, and there's many examples of that. And I think that's where SAS really sees ourselves playing in the future in that uh, whole area of not just doing analytics and understanding what our populations look like, what healthcare looks like, but in really being that agent for change that uses evidence and data-driven strategies to provide better outcomes for patients and see, you know, the kind of the goals of the triple aim established. You know, we want to reduce our cost while increasing our quality and safety and, and ensuring that we have a, a better um, patient experience uh, as part of the process as well. And I really think that's where SAS sees ourselves in the future, is kind of being that glue in those processes that uses a data-driven approach to drive far better outcomes for patients. For more information about data analytics in healthcare, check out our blog. Just visit usfhealthonline.com and click on the Resources tab. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Health IT Beat. I'm your host, David Rice, and I hope you'll join us next time as we take a closer look at the All of Us program, a National Institutes of Health initiative that is opening a large data set to the public and creating a new way for innovators, educators, and patients to see the world of healthcare data. Thank you.